0: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Gals Getting Rich podcast. I'm your host, Maeve. And I'm Vatsa. And today we're going to be talking about the psychology of money. This topic is something Vatsa and I talk about all the time. We think it's really important to have a good relationship with money. And it's interesting how just the way you approach money can really impact the way you go about your financial habits.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think budgeting, when you think about it, honestly sucks and it can feel so oppressive or limiting and just generally stressful because it always feels like you have to take something out or cut back on something or looking at it you're like oh why am I spending so much on this I think generally we've been taught to feel negatively about it and I think it's important to talk about it and just kind of have a mindset shift
0: yeah so before I was talking about having an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset And how whichever mindset you have is really how you're going to treat your money. So an abundance mindset is more like you see money as allowing you to enjoy everything life has to offer. And you're so confident in your money systems that you're not worried about running out of money or if the stock market crashes. You're confident and you have a secure relationship with your money versus when you have more of a scarcity mindset. You're constantly checking your balances on your account, making sure you have money to pay your bills, and you see money more as a limiting factor in your life, preventing you from enjoying life to the fullest. I think there are certain degrees where the amount of money you have can really influence your mindset, and it's hard to switch from one to the other. I think Vatsa and I, I think we really try hard to take advantage of every opportunity life has to offer while still being financially responsible. So it does call for us to be a little bit savvy with how we save money.
1: Totally. Like, it's like going to get a facial, for example. You could spend money on a facial. You could feel bad that you're spending money on a facial. But at the end of the day, I think of a facial as an investment, an investment in looking good, feeling good. But at the same time, I feel like when I do go and get a facial or whatever it is, I try to find some sort of deal or a Groupon that's out there. And a lot of people will look at that and say, well, like, oh, you're spending so much money on skincare or so much money on XYZ. But at the end of the day, like, I look at certain expenses and like whenever I spend anything, to be honest, even if it's like a piece of clothing, that it is an investment. And I think thinking of things as an investment actually helps me be more intentional about what I'm spending money on. And then it also holds myself accountable to those investments. Like, okay, like if I bought this thing, am I actually going to use it? And like, making a plan or just making sure it's not just going to sit in my room or whatever it may be.
0: That that hit hard, but <laughs> going off of that, I think when you identify yourself as I am good with money and money is attracted to me and you kind of have this mindset of law of attraction with money, it helps a lot. But at the same time, no matter how much of a financial guru you are, Not everything you do has to be financially savvy. Your money habits do not need to make sense to anyone but yourself. For an example, just like you're saying with that facial, how you see it as an investment. I think of, I was a yoga teacher and I remember there are lots of women at this yoga studio I taught at who just said like they love having a membership. And memberships at this studio were not cheap. And these people that were going to the studio just got so much value out of it. They were in a community. They got to have a variety of different types of yoga classes. Classes were going on at all different times of the day, every day of the week, um, etc. And to them, it was 100 percent worth it. But someone looking for an outside in might look at their budget and be like, hey, you should really cut back on your gym membership. Go look at Planet Fitness's $20 a month membership. But I think when something is really impeding on your happiness and on the value of brains, it's not really worth it. You can't quantify the value something brings to someone. And when you tell someone that something that makes them happy isn't a good idea, that's just going to put them more into a scarcity mindset and not this abundance mindset where they are confident and happy with their money. You know, life isn't about penny pinching, it's about living. And at the end of the day, we all just wanna be happy And if saving $80 a month substantially impacts your happiness, it's not worth it.
1: I agree. And I think the whole narrative of like, oh, you're crazy to spend that much money. First of all, I think no one is crazy. Your personal experiences with money make up maybe like 0.00001% of what's happened in the world, but maybe 80% of how you think the world works. Like- it's all about perspective. And like Meeve said, like, it should only work for you. And I also think that we always have this, ne- there's never enough mentality. But I also think life isn't any fun without a sense of enough. Sometimes if we're constantly saving, like, I know I had to get out of this mentality where, like, I was literally like a Scrooge McDuck saving every penny I could. But at the end of the day, I think money always comes back, even when you lose it. And happiness, as it said, is just results minus expectations. So like sometimes you have to kind of put money into what makes you happy.
0: I kind of catch myself sometimes saying, oh, I'll go on this super elaborate, fun, European month-long vacation once my net worth hits 750000 Because then it will be not that much of my net worth. But I think when I limit myself and I'm like, oh, I have to keep saving in order to deserve something – that's not the right mindset. I don't need to save so much money to deserve something. I'm saving up money to responsibly pay for it. Saying that you have to do something to deserve something is not the right mindset. You deserve everything. You can work for something make it fit better into your life, yes, but I think deserve is just like a a toxic word to assign to money.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I think most of us assume financial success depends on education and intelligence, but I remember in this book that I read, and it was actually called The Psychology of Money. Maeve's actually read it as well. And it almost presents a alternate hypothesis where the key to financial success lies in understanding human behavior, right? And I think a lot of human behavior is putting a positive spin on things, even though it's Human nature to kind of fall into that negative realm. Your emotions and your beliefs influence your financial decisions. And like the more you understand that, the more likely you're going to make a better financial decision. And I know, for example, like I think about the concept of a nanny. And I think growing up, it's like, oh, like how would anybody have a nanny or afford a nanny? Or like, oh, like that's such a rich person thing to do. But at the same time, I think about it. And like in our jobs, in our generation, typically both spouses are working. And if you wanted to maintain your job, like I would, I think I would invest in a nanny, you know, obviously I'd want to not be so busy where I don't get time to spend time with my kid, but I could definitely see a nanny being not only an investment in like time and like being able to do other things like focus on work or like side hustles and priorities, but also, I could see it being an investment in, like, a marriage. Like, I could I could see myself being flustered if, like, I had to be the only person to do that, especially the woman. Hopefully, whenever it happens, whoever it happens with, things work out and they're helpful, which I'm sure that person will be. But, like, just having that extra set of hands is a huge investment and super helpful.
0: This is so funny you're saying that because that's something that my boyfriend and I talk about all the time. We live in a 1,200-square-foot apartment, And we hate cleaning the bathroom and we always, we try to take turns on who does what, you know, each week, but we keep thinking to ourselves, like, if we just get a cleaner to come, like every other week, this will save us so many arguments and so much tension in our relationship. Week after week, we build up resentment up until the moment the bathroom needs to be clean. Whereas... We could just be happier people if we just, you know, paid for a cleaner to come and help us out. I think it can be healthy for a relationship to allot dollars to areas where you can outsource work and optimize your lives and give more time to go on dates and to develop your relationship. Even when you're married or living together, you're still dating. You still need to nurture and take care of the spark that's still there. You can't just let it die out
1: for sure and I also think in terms of types of people there's always going to be the person that's the go and then the other person is going to be the person that's the whoa for example maybe someone who's like yeah like let's just order take out that person is the go versus the person that's like wait a second how are we doing on our takeout budget that person is typically the whoa and I don't think there's anything wrong in being either person I just think too especially maybe how you mention it in relationships like how do you work together and keep in checks and balances but then even if you're not dating someone and you're not financially connected to someone how do you kind of play that part of being both person with yourself and I think that happens a lot because then sometimes I feel like when I'm alone and I'm doing the go and then the whoa I make myself feel bad about it that goes back to what we were talking about with emotions and motivations related to money like obviously thinking about it and understanding it but also focusing on what's in your control and what might be necessary right like if you're actively managing your budget and you're aware and self-aware of how much money's in your bank account then you're not going to feel as stressed about going and getting chipotle or, or takeout or whatever it is right like i think we don't check and then we tend to be stressed out about it versus what i've learned is honestly the more often i check my bank balance the less scary it becomes
0: yeah this year what's that i'm actually learning the hard lesson of You should only make goals around things that you can control. So background on this is that last year I made a goal of hitting a certain net worth by the end of the year. You can see my progress on my Instagram account at the net worth gal if you want to see. And I was so like gung ho about hitting this goal by the end of the year, which was my net worth, which with your net worth, which is your assets minus your liabilities Your assets tend to be invested in the market, and so you are at the whims of the market. I was lucky in 2021 that the market was going up, so I was able to hit my goal. And then I made an Instagram post, and I talked about how I couldn't decide what to make my net worth goal for 2022. And someone commented that they prefer to make goals around things that they can control, So they prefer to make their goal around how much they're going to invest or what their savings rate will be in 2022 versus what they want the outcome to be. Because we can't control where the market is going, but we can control how much we're saving from each paycheck. So then I decided to take a specific number and make that my goal for how much I'm going to invest for 2022. And... I am really, really glad I listened to this. As we know, the start of 2022 was very rocky for the market. We're even still down like 6 8% year to date. And I would not be hitting my goals for this year had I done a net worth goal versus a savings goal. There's actually a thing I learned in my psychology class in college. It's called self-efficacy. Self-efficacy refers to an individual's belief in his or her capacity to execute behaviors necessary to produce specific performance attainments. Um, self-efficacy reflects confidence and the ability to exert control over one's own motivation, behavior, and social environment. So to really boil down to the nitty-gritty, self-efficacy is the relationship between the work you put in will be congruent to the results you will see coming out. If I hadn't made my goal something that I could control, it would really mess with my self-efficacy because I would feel so unproductive. I'm putting in all this work, but I'm not seeing any good result because I can't control that result. Based upon the psychology, I would be blaming myself and not really realizing that this is totally out of my control. This is just an example of how I'm learning to protect my mental state and fostering a better relationship with my money by making my goals and measuring how I'm doing on things that I can actually control.
1: Yeah. And I think when we talk about this, I think making a budget, like we said in the beginning, comes off as being oppressive or stressful. But I think at the end of the day, if you take your categories and it's like, okay, what do I want to invest in? Like if your category is health, if your category is looking good, if your category is experiences or... XYZ like make your buckets things that you want for yourself and then think of all of the expenses that go under those buckets as investments in yourself or just investments in your happiness and then of course while also keeping in mind that it could be a investment for the future if you're saving up for a vacation or whatever your savings goals may or may not be.
0: Yeah, I used to actually do a whole breakdown of my budget every month and then look at everything I spent money on and I found it to just be like really depressing. I look at my macro spending, so I look at how much I spent on rent, how much my credit card bills were, how much utilities were, but I'm not really drilling down to the micro level. I do glance over my credit card statements and make sure there's no extraneous charges that were not me, but... For the most part, I realized that doing a nitty gritty budget and a breakdown of my spending wasn't conducive to a super healthy relationship with money, because I found myself, you know, going out with friends. I just didn't want to swipe my credit card, because I was like, this is just one more line item I'm going to have to categorize at the end of the month, and that's just like not the way to live, you know. I agree. If you had been on High Street, butts selling your bubble waffles <laughs> that you had, I would be like. Oh, I want to buy one, but I don't want to sign my credit card,
1: you know? Oh my god, yes. And for those of you who might not get the reference, this was last episode, so go ahead and listen to that one.
0: Yeah, I think overall, I kind of want to get away from the idea of labeling a purchase as good or bad, because at the end of the day, they're all just purchases. And labeling them as good or bad is going to influence how we go about money, because spending money isn't inherently bad. We don't need to be saving 100% of our money. That's just not realistic. What matters is whether your purchase is continually bringing value to your life and if it's making you happy. Even if it was just like buying ice cream with a friend, you made a memory. You got to take care of that relationship and keep it going on. So I'm just manifesting that I'm no longer thinking about purchases as good or bad. It's just a purchase. As long as I'm Proud of that purchase, that's all that matters.
1: And that's all we have for today. Let's go into money moves. But before that, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe, and follow us on Instagram at galsgettingrich. Getting Rich.
0: Yeah. So Vasa, what was your money move of the week?
1: Well, I think this week I I did not participate in two big sales. So I saw Patagonia had 40% off doing their semi-annual sale this week. Didn't buy anything, so Pretty proud of myself for that. And then Barnes & Noble had 50% off book haul. And I was really tempted. But then I was kind of going through and I was like, "Wow, these books are awesome, I should use my library app and read those books that way.
0: Yeah, and I'm always torn because whenever I want a book, I try to tell myself I should go to a local bookstore and have them order it for me versus just buying from Amazon. But then at the same time, I want to support my library and yeah, that's hard. It's funny.
1: I was telling my friends, I want like a really cool library whenever I get a house. Like a, I will invest in making this thing so cool.
0: Like a lot of bookshelves just surrounding all the walls.
1: Yeah. Like this coffee place that I went to this weekend where they had a tree and in the tree was like kind of like a bookshelf or like a Beauty and the Beast type of library. That'd be sick. But let's see. I need to get a house first. (laughs) That's so funny.
0: My money move of the week was I downloaded this new app called Upside. And it's a cashback app for gas. And I've heard people talk about it, but it never cost much for me to fill up my car. Like I did a full tank yesterday and it was like $35. So it's really not too much. But I've seen this cashback app and I'm like, okay. I'm leaving money on the table because I think about this app every time I go to fill up my tank, but I still haven't gotten it. So I just downloaded it and haven't used it yet, but I think going forward, it'll be nice to even get back just like a tiny bit of money for my guests so that I can buy more gift cards for like Chipotle and other important restaurants. <laughs> so I'll put my promo code in the description. So. If you want to sign up for Upside and save some money on your gas, especially with gas prices as of late, my code will be below. There's also another app I use called Fetch Rewards, where I can scan my receipts into there, and then I get points, and then I can buy gift cards to like Amazon, Chipotle, Starbucks, wherever. And I really mostly do it for grocery store receipts, but I've been meaning to hook it up to my parents' amazon account so i could scan all of their receipts from amazon anyway i'll have my um, promo code also in the description for fetch rewards if you want to scan receipts as well
1: i always make an account for that and then forget to even use it so that's something that i need to be better about
0: it takes a while to save up money but it's kind of fun because i'm going to be getting free chipotle just for buying groceries you know Yeah, no, I love that
1: for you. I spend way too much money at Chipotle.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, me too. Okay, and I think with that, we're wrapping up today's episode. So once again, thank you guys for listening to our podcast today. Follow us on Instagram and rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. It would really mean a lot to us. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye, guys.